Away we go. Big ass June bug. Hey, welcome everybody to Guarding the Fishes podcast, episode 190. Yay. Uh, I'm back at our normal time slot while I'm in the U.S. I'll be back in the United States here for a few weeks while uh, we deal with the virus situation and then I'll be headed back to Africa. Um, just the situation is getting a little bit too dicey. And we this week we have uh, Tanner Stewart of uh, Stewart Life Far Farms. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, we also have uh, 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 Dylan, uh, who's posted a ton of awesome content over the over the years on our uh, Facebook group. How's it going? Good. How are you doing, Steve? Good. Oh, and then we also have Marty. Hey, what's up, everybody? All right. Um, so, uh, uh, thanks a lot for joining us, um, uh, Tanner. It's been a little while since I've seen you. I think the last time we saw you was in LA, if memory serves me right. Yeah, yeah. No, that was uh, that was a pretty good, pretty good get together. Yeah, that was quite the event. We'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, so, tell us a little bit about what you do and uh, and what you're all about. You do have one of the cooler grows in in Canada. Yeah. So, uh, so, so I've been. Uh, aquaponic farming now for about six years uh originally started with leafy greens in a vertical farm setting so i'm i'm an indoor vertical aquaponics farmer or a, a iv ivaf or uh for uh for shorthand but uh so i combine vertical farming uh with with uh you know land-based aquaculture and uh the farm we're working on right now uh, here in New Brunswick, St. Stephen, New Brunswick, specifically located right on the border of Callis, Maine, is a, a five-story, uh, fully automated vertical farm uh, combined with a uh, what will be, we're, we're, we've got a four-phase build-out uh, that we have to go through here over the next few years. Uh, but at full scale, we're working on getting up to about 200 metric tons of organic tilapia production per year. Uh, we'll be sending those fish down to Boston, New York. So we're Really excited to uh, get a organic premium branded version of uh, of, of uh, popular live fish into the Asian markets down there. And, and of course, uh, we got to grow some great fire uh, to uh, to go along with that. So we've got uh, we've got about a strain library that we put together here over the last seven or eight months. We put about 560 uh, strains that we painstakingly uh, collected here uh, across North America and got a good little swath of land races as well from a few different countries. So we're just excited to, to get that stuff on the market. And we're, and we're about, we're days away, uh, days away from getting our Health Canada license. We, we're like 170 days into waiting for the final approval here from when we submitted our license and we're getting emails back and forth from here daily. So we're, we're almost ready to go here. So we're pretty excited. That's awesome. So tell us more about your aquaponics facility. Yeah, so uh, so phase one here is uh, just 8,000 square feet. Um, so we have uh, everything single layer on the phase one. So we've got a small aquaculture room. Uh, it's only about 1,000 fish on the phase one. 
Uh, we've got about a thousand square feet of, uh, of canopy uh, as well. So this, this, this whole phase was just to get the license, right? So the, the building itself is 100,000 square feet, 40 feet tall. Uh, so this first phase was 10% of, uh, of the entire building that we renovated. Uh, so that's how we're, we're kicking off. So about one ton uh, of, of fish uh, production per year, which is very, very little, obviously. Uh, and uh, and a thousand square feet of uh, of canopy, and that'll kind of get us going here. So awesome! And what fish are you launching with, or plan to be growing uh, on your farm? Uh, well, we're definitely doing the tilapia right now. Um, uh, we're, uh, we're we've got a black Nile uh, genetic that uh, our aquaculture manager and uh, and my mentor in the uh, in the fish industry, uh, Gary Chapman, is bringing in for us so they're they're actually his genetics uh so he went he went over to lake nassar about 28 years ago in egypt and took the original brood stock so it's a pedigree tilapia genetic um uh, every year that they that they did a new generation of this fish uh, they they took the genetic markers and you know that's how you keep a, a strong genetic line very diversified and they made sure that when they bred the brood stock, that they're keeping that genetic line very strong. Uh, so uh, this has been a disease-free strain for uh, for over 27 years, and uh, you know they're they're going to get to full scale in about 10 months, worst case. Uh, we we know the conversion rates inside and out, so it's a it's a really strong strong genetic. So so we kind of Gary's got that taken care of inside and out for us. So we're really confident to be launching with that one. That's awesome. Yeah, I haven't worked with that particular varietal, but that's it's definitely interesting. And, and uh, you know, you don't see too many people doing the black tilapia. It's great because it gives you a little bit of a market difference for your, your product as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a really nice looking fish. I mean, when you compare it to the, the, the white or the, the, the more albino or the red or the red tilapia, uh, it, I don't know if you could say it's a sexy tilapia, but to me, it's a sexy looking tilapia, right? Like it's... Uh, uh, it's nice, nice black scales on it. And, uh, you know, I think, I think it'll stand out big time. You know, when we get into the Asian markets down in Boston, uh, it should demand a premium, you know, whatever that, what that premium will be. We're not sure yet, but we'll test the market out slowly, uh, on our, on our phase two build out, uh, that we're going to launch next year, we'll get up to 17 tons of production. So, so our whole scale up will be one ton, 17 tons, and then 200 tons on the, on the third phase. Uh, so when we get up to 17 tons next year, that'll be just enough to start penetrating the Boston market and really feeling out what our price points can be. Uh, but we're definitely going to price it higher than the uh, white Nile or the white, the white and red tilapia that are on the market down there now, because we have to, it is, a, it's going to be a premium fish, completely organically certified. Uh, so we have to signal that it's premium by price as well, right? So. Absolutely. Uh, what what type of varietals are you uh, uh, of cannabis are you planning on growing, or which ones are you uh, having success with so far? Well, we've got. Um, so the worst thing about collecting a 500 plus library of strains, and I'm sure all you guys feel the same way, is uh, you know you don't you don't know you want to pop everything and you can't. <laughs> so, uh, but some of our uh, uh, primary strains here that we're looking at. We've got a great sherbet 
that we're pretty excited about uh, that that came to us in clonal form so we know what numbers it should do we just have to verify it's going to hit those numbers in our system we're looking at an la pure kush uh hollywood og uh we have a, we have uh, a couple different phenos uh that came to us as well in cuts uh girl scout cookies but that's probably not going to be a go-to-market strain that's just for that we got that for breeding material more than anything uh royal kush we've got a royal kush uh we were going to do it before <laughs> pre-covid we were we were uh looking at doing a one and three quarter acre outdoor grow right off like right off the side of our building we were just going to fence off off of our building and it was already a tight timeline to get approvals from health canada so when everything started to shut down we definitely we shelved the idea of doing our outdoor grow until next season uh but the royal kush was on the slate to to go outdoors because it's a nice greasy strain uh but we're gonna we're gonna test that indoors so i'd say i'd say the royal kush and the sherbert are two strains that were that are at the top of the list to potentially go out with uh, we've got a Mike Strawberries Lemonade that looks pretty good. We've got one of our Purple Margie Finos that is smelling great and looking pretty heavy as well. And, and then we've got a few seedlings that we just popped. I mean, we're doing a lot of pheno hunting uh, here too. Uh, we, we, we popped, uh, you know, Cap Capulator released it a special, a special edition, Brittany's Frozen uh lemonade that we popped we don't know what that's going to look like and then and we got a mimosa i mean every lots of mimosa is a very popular strain I, I i personally love mimosa actually i smoke a lot of it it's very orangey uh so we've got uh six of those phenos that we're sorting through here right now awesome so what are some of the challenges you you've had uh growing uh in aquaponics oh well you know I think we're going to have like going in, going in the cannabis side of things We're we're taking a probably a very familiar approach, uh, to, to, uh, what, what you guys are, are used to, we're, we're looking at the, we're looking at the dual root zone methodology mixed with living soil. Uh, we're going to be feeding our living soil, uh, with aquaponics water here on this phase one. Uh, so we don't foresee, uh, very many issues at all you know I, I feel like this is a very safe route to take as we as we go into our early stages uh in my early years uh which started only six years ago i guess when i was farming leafy greens i saw all the problems <laughs> in aquaponics <laughs> we had uh, we had root rot in our uh in our deep water uh culture rafts uh, so so when i when i start when, when i was running neutroponics uh, we did nutrient film techniques. So we had 12 stories high of uh, leafy, leafy green production. And, you know, we only had about, I think it was 24 inches, uh, you know, from level to level because we were going leafy green. So you don't need a whole lot of, whole lot of head space. Uh, but yeah, we, we, we had every problem going over, over the three years. I mean, we got, you know, we got, uh, you know, aphid, aphid infection infestations that we had to wipe out, you know, we, uh, and, uh, sorry, sorry. So the nutrient film, uh, where I was going with that, we're using nu nutrient film technique on all the upper levels on the bottom level. It was deep water culture. Cause that was our drainage raft. Right. So what we did is we put, uh, you know, we put, um, the, uh, styrofoam, uh, floats on top of the bottom rafts. Right. So that's where we, that's where we would, 
you know, we saw some root rot issues uh, get in there, um, you know, balancing issues, pH issues. Uh, that was a completely, that was a completely closed loop system, right? Um, so everything was cycling all the time, right? So we were, we were constantly fighting uh, the battle between, you know, balancing things correctly for the fish and balancing things correctly uh, for our, for our leafy greens, uh, you know, in that system. We had a question from chat. What are your top five aquaponic plants for food production? Mine? Uh, yeah, I'd say uh, arugula for sure. Uh, I didn't even understand how good arugula was before I had it in an aquaponic system. It's, you know, I didn't know it was supposed to taste like horseradish or, or kind of in that, <laughs> in that direction. Uh, so arugula for sure. Um, I loved, you know, I mean, tomatoes taste amazing. Uh, when you do them in an aquaponic system, I mean, you know, any tomato is a fruiting crop, just like cannabis. So, so any, any, any type of fruiting crop is really great in, in, uh, in an aquaponic system. That's so arugula, I'd say tomatoes, uh, kale, also fell in love with kale uh, through aquaponics because when, when we grew it in our system, uh, we, we did a hybrid kale that was like a flat leaf. It, it, it was just like a great big round flat leaf. And, and uh, uh, it, was, it was a, you know, it, you could use it like for like a taco wrap, you know, but we also did traditional curly kale as well. Uh, so when we did curly kale, it was soft also, so you could eat the stem. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily attribute the the softness of the stem to aquaponics. That that was that was more of a it was grown indoors under very very little duress. But the flavor profile was coming from the from the aquaculture nutrient, and the, I'd say the tenderness was just a lot of that was coming from uh, growing it indoors. Um, and then we eventually got a spinach to work as well. Uh, you know, in our, in our, that took us a year, took us a year to find a spinach that we could grow uh, effectively in our system. So th those are some of my favorite, favorite food crops. Awesome. I found um, uh, watercress is a good one. Super easy to grow. Yeah. And aquaponics. Um, basil works really well. Yeah. Basil, thyme, um, uh, oregano. Bell peppers I've had good success with as well. Oh yeah, peppers. Peppers yeah, are yeah. great if you want something you want to grow. Maybe practice for growing cannabis. Uh, peppers are a great practice plant. You can graft them and train them and clone them the same way, um, and, and really get a lot of those techniques down without having to worry about plant counts or anything like that. If, if you're trying to just get started, we have another question from chat. This is uh, what was the most frustrating part about dealing with Health Canada's application process? This part. <laughs> <laughs> All the parts. Uh, <laughs> I figured that would be your answer. Fuck. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, like, I, uh, this part is the worst part. I, I mean, we, we submitted our evidence package October 17th. That was the most exciting part. So we, we October 17th, 2018. No, my God, 2019. Sorry, sorry. I went back, I went back too far, but <laughs> 20, 2019, uh, you know, it was like the most exciting day we had so far in the company because we were there. We, we did our video and 
we sent our video into Health Canada, and it's and most of it is it's all security system related, right? Uh, I mean, they the the number one thing Health Canada cares about is your security system, and your security perimeter, and when you're growing indoors, whether it's a micro cultivation or like us a standard light a stand as a standard LP. <clears throat> You know, we've been getting questions. We've been getting questions back. Basically, like our our camera would take a picture of the wall, and there was a dark spot in the picture, and Health Canada circling the dark spot, and they're like, "Well, we can't quite see what's going on there, so we have to take a new picture and send it into them." And there's a lag time in you responding to them and them responding to you. So here we are, uh, three rounds of questions later the first two rounds took a month each because they asked us the question we took two weeks to get back to them and it wasn't because we were slow it's because of more i'd say 80 percent of their questions on their very first they're called rmis or request for information their very first request for information from us uh 80 of it was security related so we literally needed our security company to come in and do a bunch of shit. So it took them a week and a half to do the things they needed to do. We were ready to respond back to Health Canada in a few days, but we had to get our security to come, come and do work, right? So then two weeks go by, we get the response in. Two more weeks go by, we get our second RMI. Well, now a month is gone, right? So once again, more than half of the questions were security related. Everything else was pretty minor. Uh, once again, we had to get our security company to come back in and do a few tweaks. So that took another two weeks, unfortunately. Um, but now we're in the final moments. So there's almost an email going back every day. Uh, so, so like, that's how I know we are days away. I mean, hopefully God willing, we'll have a, maybe we'll have it tomorrow. <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, but I'm hoping April 15th, I know it's going to be this month. Uh, cause, cause we're in that final stage and, and, you know, they're overloaded. It's just people on the other end of the, of the line trying to, you know, do this overwhelming, uh, amount of work. But, but meanwhile, from a business perspective, it, it'll be six months. Like if we get our license April, well, that'll be six months. Exactly. If we get our license April 15th, so that's six months. I mean, I'm pheno hunting, so that's good that I have time to do that. So it's not like we were doing nothing. Uh, we were getting our strains lined up. I mean, there's a lot of work that can be done in that time, but I would have much rather been pheno hunting in my own farm three and a half to four months ago. <laughs> that would have been fine. Uh, so this is definitely the most frustrating uh, uh, part of the whole process was from we, when we submitted our evidence package and now I'm six months later and we're just about to get our license and I'm another uh, two to four months away from, uh, putting some beautiful cured flour into a package and then selling it. Right. So, so it'll be, uh, it'll be almost a year by the time I, uh, uh, try to sell something from the moment I put in that evidence package. So, so uh, tell us more about some of the products that you guys are making as you guys do quite a wide range of different stuff. Yeah, so uh, so right now to earn earn uh, any sort of revenue, we're selling non-infused uh, health and wellness products. We're doing uh, uh, bath. Uh, we're doing strain inspired products. 
So Sherbert, as an example, which is a strain that we're pretty sure, or at least it's at the top of the list of what we might bring to market. Uh, we did a bath bomb, a uh, roller ball, and a massage oil. Actually, I got I got one of the, actually, this is a, uh, that's a Sherbert uh, inspired uh, aromatherapy roller ball there. We copied the terpene profiles in the strain. So, so we're taking strains. So we got a Sherbert, we got a chocolate hashberry. We took classics like Trainwreck, Bubba Kush, Blue Dream, uh, and we took the top five terpene pro terps in, in each strain. Uh, our herbalist, Katrina Jackson, Jackson, she's phenomenal. So, so she took ingredients and essential oils, all natural, all organic stuff, and we put it in as biodegradable packaging as, as, as possible. And, uh, and we've developed all these health and wellness products inspired by these strains. So those are going over really well, actually. We're, we're uh, gaining a lot of traction and selling, and selling those things. We're, we're working, on a, uh, working on a couple deals right now where, where we might be launching in a few dispensaries, actually, across Canada <clears throat> because it's not infused, so it's not regulated. So it gives us something good to put on the shelves. It's helping us get our brand out there but we plan to infuse all these products, right? But our attitude is if it's not a good product without weed in it, then it's not a good product. So it's a, it's a great way for us to get our feet wet. Um, you know, we're, we're manufacturing all this stuff by hand, uh, like a couple doors behind me actually is, is where we're making, all, of course, when we infuse it, we got to do it on the farm. We can't, we, we can't do it uh, in this office. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're really excited about all that stuff. Uh, so it's really, it's really the health and wellness line. That's, that's a little bit of our long game, but we're selling, selling those products now. But as far as the flower goes, uh, you know, growing some great flower, uh, putting that in beautiful packaging, hopefully plastic-free packaging. That's our goal is plastic-free packaging. But due to Health Canada regulations, there's probably going to be some plastic in our, in our early packages. Um, and then great pre-rolls, great pre-rolls, <laughs> not the pre, not most of the pre-rolls that are on the legal market, uh, uh, right now. Right. I mean, like this has got to be stuff that I will smoke or that any of you, you know, any of you guys on here would smoke and be happy to smoke. Uh, and, uh, Canagars, Canagars, we're working on, we're working on a line of cannabis cigars. They're not going to be as fancy as I want them probably at first because again of uh, Health Canada regulation, uh, but it'll be a journey, right? So we're looking at a few different variations of cannabis cigars and how we can get those to market and what that'll look like. Um, so, so we're pretty excited about that too. Yeah, it sucks. Can Health Canada still won't let you, you know, lick the like the blunts when they you make the canagars then <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah and i want to make you know you want to put like a, a a tube of live resin down the middle of them right and, and if i can do that we will but we're not sure if we can do that right no my friend who's starting his micro uh here in saskatchewan wants to do the same thing he wants to do canagars and i told him there's going to be some issues with health canada that way but i don't think he's looked into it yet and also in regards to your packaging, I know a guy who specializes in compostable packaging for specific, specifically for cannabis products um, for LPs or micros. So I should oh, send you please. his info. Yeah, please do. <laughs> yeah. That'd be amazing. Yeah. And, and I, we're, we're, we're actually trying to figure it out right now for our bath bombs. Uh, that's okay. our, that's our number one priority. And, and we yeah. might, 
we might be able to get our infused versions of our health and wellness line on the market before the end of this year. Um, Cause we're, we're not waiting for our own, our own extra, we're, well, we're not going to extract our flour. That would be done. We're going to put our flour, you know, uh, in, in package it. So we're looking for outside oil sources. So, so yeah, that'd be great. I love that intro. Very cool. Yeah. So um, anything else that you wanted to add on your different products as far as, I don't know, uh, what made you decide to get into the cosmetic side of things? <laughs> I think it's because I've been to Lush 500 times uh, in the last, uh, <laughs> in the last, you know, 10 years. Uh, it's one of my wife's favorite spots to, uh, to go. Like I, I lived in Edmonton for the last 16 years, about five minutes from uh, the West Edmonton mall. So, so we'd always go in there and, I don't know. My, my kid, my, uh, my kids were always using bath bombs, uh, as well. And, and then, uh, well, actually, actually exactly what happened was we were doing kind of our company coming out party or launch at the world cannabis Congress in, in St. John, New Brunswick here two years ago. And I was thinking, well, man, wouldn't it be cool if we did this strain and product, these strain inspired products like lush does, um, that we could give away to people instead of a t-shirt or a hat or a pen. So really, actually, it started as a giveaway kind of project um, to, to get attention for our company. Um, because, you know, I, I figured if you can give somebody something that they really enjoy and they have an, an aroma, you know, an aromatherapy experience with it, and it's, and it's a good product, you know, people don't typically won't forget your company if you get if they have a bath in something you've given them. <laughs> so, so I thought that would be be a decent strategy. And then and then I found Katrina Jackson. So I, well, I didn't find her. She came to me, actually. This this was like this was the craziest thing ever. So it was about like two and a half months before this event in St. John. And we were scrambling to get ready. And I had this idea and I was looking for a herbalist, but I hadn't found one yet. I interviewed one and then she, and then it just wasn't going to be a, a good fit. And she was in Edmonton. And then I get this message from Katrina and she's like, Hey, I'm i uh, I'm uh, I, I live in St. Stephen where your farm is. And I'd like to talk to you. Can we get together and meet? So I meet, I get together and meet with her in St. Stephen and I'm sitting down with her and she's like, listen, I, I grew up uh, in my mother's herbal store where she's made bath bombs and candles. And like, she's basically been doing this stuff since she was like 10 years old or something like that. And she's like, I'm a herbalist. <laughs> Can I work for you? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Uh, this is actually literally, you're the exact person I was looking for in exactly, at exactly the right time. So I brought, I hired her there. Well, I said, I want to bring you on for a contract and, and test you out. Uh, and I told her my idea. You know, I said, I said, I want to make, you know, and, and she, at this point, uh, and she's a big time cannabis person as well. Like she loves cannabis and she's a smoker. She, you know, uh, you know, like I do dabs with her and her husband every now and then. Right. Like they're just great people. And, uh, but she hadn't heard of terpenes at this time. Right. I mean, this is, you know, when you're in the industry, you know, you don't realize how many people still don't know about half of the shit that now is all of a sudden common. But two years ago, I didn't know that either. Like 
January 2018, when I, when I decided to like fully dive into the cannabis industry, I didn't know what a terpene was two years ago. So I mean, we're still we're still in the early days. Uh, so she thought that blew her mind. She loved it. She was so excited to take this project on, and uh, she picked out the strains. I just told her the idea, right? I said I want three different strains, three different products, right? And uh, and she went to work, found the strains, and she manufactured thirty thousand. Okay. So her and my team, we designed the products and manufactured 30,000 units. So three different types of hand soaps, three different types of bath bombs, and three different types of herbal teas in less than two months. So, and, and that was all from scratch. So, so that's, uh, and after I saw what she could do, and it went over so well at the World Cannabis Congress, that's what we just decided to keep going with it. So there, that's the, that's, that's, was that the short answer? No. That was a long answer. <laughs> uh, we have another question from Chad is how did you get started with uh, how did you start out with aquaponics and what was your first aquaponics system? Uh, yeah, that was six years ago. Uh, I was a uh, uh, originally when I when I got into agriculture technology, I was involved in a, uh, in a company called AACT, uh, a little bit Aqua, Aqua Algae Culture Technologies uh, out of Montana, which you saw in the, in the film, uh, Steve. Uh, so that was like my entry into, that was a semi-closed loop system. Uh, and then right at that same time, uh, I got introduced to a company called Nutroponics out of Edmonton. And they, they were about three years into their technology startup. So I kind of came in at that time and uh, they were looking for investors basically and i had just sold uh half of my uh, construction company at the time so it was the first time in my life that i had any sort of uh liquidity and uh i got invited to come check out this technology company i walked in to their garage of course where they had their eight by eight by eight cube and they had four or five layers of leafy greens growing in it they had a little tank and their bead filter and their drum filter. They had a whole little basically miniature aquaponics setup going. And I tasted the leafy greens in that module. And I looked at those fish swimming around in that tank. And I, I was, I was blown away uh, instantly. I mean, uh, you know, it's an easy concept to get like to, to me, it just makes too much sense. You know, it's, it's two ecosystems combined into a, you know, single, waste eliminating semi-closed loop system. Um, so to me, it was a no brainer. Uh, so that was about six years ago when I got involved in neutroponics and, and never looked back, so. Awesome. So what made you decide to, you wanted to do an aquaponic cannabis company in particular? Yeah, so uh, yeah, that was at the end of 2017. So I kind of did the leafy green thing for about four years. And uh, then I was smoking a joint on the back porch of my, my house uh, in the town I grew up, Miramichi, New Brunswick. And I kind of realized, well, two things. The cannabis industry uh, needs this form of sustainability bred into it. Uh, and also that I've been smoking weed for 18 years and eating lettuce for five. So, uh, so I, thought, <laughs> I thought I'd be better suited and, uh, and, and be able to, uh, you know, move a little bit faster uh, in this industry. 
uh, you know, and, and, you know, and my, my plan is to go back to food later. I mean, this is a, you know, I'm going to stay in aquaponics for the rest of my life or, you know, in sustainable agriculture, if you want to go to like a, a big umbrella uh, of, of where I'm going to, where I'm going to stay focused. Um, so right now it's, it's grow the most valuable crop in the world. Uh, use that to support our research, innovation and technology advancement. And while we're doing this, uh, keep looking back towards the uh, the food industry and and seeing where we can contribute. But I, but I'm I'm not going to go back to lettuce anytime soon. I'm going to stick with fruiting crops. Cannabis is a fruiting crop, so the next form of food I go back to, it will be tomatoes or peppers or uh, you know cucumbers, beans. Right? You know, I'm going to stay in the fruiting crop realm for a very long time. There's a lot of um, northern communities here that could use your help because there's a lot of big LPs coming in and offering uh, the First Nations reserves, you know, 49% of everything they set up there. But what I think someone should do is go up north, uh, just give them some advice and, and, and consult them on how to grow aquaponically because yeah. the, the, the produce prices up there are obscene it's way cheaper to buy you know a sugary snack than it is to buy something healthy and i think if they could produce their own cannabis sustainably and their own, and dedicate maybe 10 percent of their their um, canopy space to feed their community as well that'd be a pretty cool project well it's the for sure and it's the ideal situation you know a uh, uh, a micro you know two thousand square feet of of cannabis cultivation and uh you know two or three thousand square feet of food production uh, or more i mean you can you know two thousand square feet of cannabis produ production could probably fund ten thousand square feet of food production right uh, uh that's that's definitely the key and if they're not fans of uh tilapia you know we can look at an arctic char or a coho salmon it's just a little more logistically challenging right you got to heat the water uh, and they're a little bit more of a finicky fish. I mean, uh, that's, that's, you know, to, to let, yeah, I, I tell, I tell aquaponics farmers, you know, if you can do tilapia, do it, but that's market driven, right? So if there's no market for it, there's no market. That's why we're shipping our, ourselves at the border to, to Boston. So. Interesting. It's funky that there's not a, a market where they're for tilapia, but I guess they're all used to salt fish and everything. Yeah, yeah, salmon, red fish, red meat. <laughs> what type of aquaponic system and setup are you using? So, uh, well, what we were using at Nutroponics was a coupled. It was a it was a completely coupled system. Uh, when I was doing food, uh, I don't recommend that. <laughs> I recommend decoupled. Uh, so, so what we're moving forward with here at Stewart Farms. Uh, it's, it's essentially, a, it's a, it's a commercial land-based fish farm and we're just sending the water over to the hydroponic system into a holding tank in, in, you know, in, on the cannabis side of the farm. And then when we filter the water off of the cannabis plants, then we'll, uh, sterilize the water, um, and filter it and then it, it'll go back into the fish tank. So we're using a decoupled system essentially, but we're still, we're still cycling the water between the fish farm and the cannabis farm. But I mean, it's to be determined 
it, it's to be determined if we need to send any water back to the fish farm or not, because the cannabis plants, uh, we, we believe, you know, math on paper and what actually happens might not might not be the same thing when we get up to full scale, but but uh, we might not need to send any water back uh, to the fish farm at all because the cannabis plants might take up uh, uh, so much and we might just recycle, you know, whatever's left within the, within the uh, plant side of the farm. But anyways, long story short, decoupled. Interesting. Yeah. I, I've, uh, I've grown both ways and uh, I definitely uh, lean towards the couple, but uh, I know some people that, that have a pre you know, definitely lean towards the other, uh, especially if you're doing, you know, very cold water salmon or, or, you know, something like that can definitely be a, a useful tech. But. Yeah. I think, I think, I, I think it, yeah, there's a whole bunch of different variables, right. And, uh, and if you're, if you're trying to, if it makes your life easier to keep the system separate but complementing each other, which which is you know what what it's going to be in our case, you know then then you want to look at decoupled, but then you can do coupled, uh, and it worked good at Nutriponics, uh, but we had to make more sacrifices between the fish and the plants basically. So what? Um, uh, I lost my train of thought for a second. Oh. So uh, how are you doing? Are you doing DWC or media beds or flood and drain or how are you growing at your uh, at your farm? Yeah, so we're doing uh, uh, dual root zone, uh, living soil, uh, and then uh, bottom. We're going to do bottom bottom feed, ebb and flow, and that's on phase one. Uh, bearing in mind our phase one is all single layer. Phase two. When we build out our first five-story, oh, is that a can of, is that a can of gar? <laughs> Looks delicious. <laughs> this is actually a blunt rolled with a mullein leaf. Oh, very nice. <laughs> yes. I, th I think I, can of gar is just a fancy word for blunt, isn't it? It is. It's very, <laughs> very similar to the idea of a can of gar. And there's a layer of oil through the middle of it yeah very uh, nice. but the the mullein really helps my cough and congestion knocks down my stoner cough so it's been my go-to recently so mullein mullein what is that woolly mullein it's like a uh most people call it a weed yeah. uh, some people call it like indian toilet paper um just grow it grows pretty much everywhere it's really soft and uh they use it for like lung treatments and uh, antimicrobial, all kinds of stuff, but oh, very nice. Been used for a lung treatment for a long time. Yeah, yeah. So there's some some uh, soothing soothing agents in there. Yep. Yeah, I I pre we I preach a lot about smoking mullein, especially if you have a cough or you know any kind of lung infection. It'll help prevent pneumonia. You know, if you do get. Uh, get this nasty virus that's out there you can smoke it to help prevent the the secondary infections and stuff like that it also is a bronchodilator help open your lungs up uh, as an expectorant as well so get the get the shit out of your lungs oh sweet so, yeah it really helps me cough stuff up and just keep my my stoner cough in check <laughs> keep her under control <laughs> Make sure I keep dabbing on a regular basis you know that yeah. stoner cough gets too bad you can't dab <laughs> get you back in the game 
yeah my 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 pipe isn't helping me with my uh with my cough at all my <laughs> just i just jam my hash in there that's my weapon of choice glass pipe i cleaned it i the, I, I cleaned my pipe I don't think I've ever cleaned a pipe in my entire life. I cleaned a pipe, a glass pipe for the first time <laughs> this week. <laughs> I normally just, you know, opt with the, you know, jamming a pen in or a nail and kind of <laughs> yeah. like finding. Fun- yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to make the new hole through the, uh, through the resin, but it just wasn't given anymore. So I, I caved and, and used some valuable alcohol. For a long time, it. I didn't have any pieces that lasted long enough. <clears throat> Like they were always getting broke, so. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, especially since I started getting, um, like this is a, you know, little glass vape rig, and so definitely cleaning a lot more often and regular than than it used to do back in the day. That's for sure. It was like <laughs> the the once every six months, like, you know, shoving the wire down in there to, like you said, make enough room to keep smoking out of it. Yeah, that's literally how I broke my last pipe. I had a nail and I was, and I, and I, I'm a, the glass must have been so weakened. I broke, I pressed the glass in with the nail, trying to get the resident, trying to get the resident of the pipe. That's awesome. <laughs> but uh, right, I'm I sorry, wrote, there was a question, Steve. I got distracted. There was, and I, I don't know if I ignored that. Oh, no, I was just going to say, how do you clean your dab break then? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't do a lot of dabs, honestly. I I, uh, I I smoke off other people's dab rigs pre-COVID. There you go. <laughs> Steve, have you so tried the mullen wrap yet? I haven't done a mullen wrap yet, but I always ask anybody that's gone to a big convention with me. I bring mullen everywhere with me to the bigger shows, and I smoke it. Uh, and you know, I'll put it in some joints with people, and we're smoking so that I don't get sick helps you not you know not get sick when you're at the you know big cannabis shows and things where you're smoking with you know 300 people over the weekend if if you're smoking that a couple times a day it'll help you know nuke whatever you just picked up in your lungs you just you put it in you literally put it in the joint Mm -hmm. yeah just sprinkle it in with your with your herb yeah steve showed me that a while ago and then but i'd uh My family is Native American on my father's side, and we'd always been taught to make tea out of it. <clears throat> but I didn't know that you could that you could smoke it until Steve mentioned putting it in joints, and I was doing that for a long time. And then I have here at the new place, I have so much of it, and they grow these big leaves, you know, that are like this is oh, yeah. dry, so that's not a very good one because it got all cracked. But um, but yeah, about three or four days on the dried out so it's kind of like the consistency of cloth it's a little bit like smoking a pillow because it's so soft and fluffy but uh other than that it's great really opens up the airways and um really tastes pretty smooth too works well yeah and it tastes doesn't have much taste to it either no it's pretty smooth i like it yeah very smooth Especially if you have someone that's just getting started smoking, it's a good way to help make it a little easier on their lungs. Um, so, uh, what was I going to... Sorry, I distracted the stoners. Yeah. <laughs> so what uh, What are some of the other uh, plans you guys have for your, for your farm? 
you know, uh, now that you're you're just getting online here soon. Is that for Dylan? No, for you. Oh, that's for me. Okay, Dylan. I, I get it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, well, I I mean, I, honestly, you know, the the immediate plan is just figure out which strain we're going to market with. Um, we're looking for something over twenty five percent THC, um, and that is not because uh, we think as a company or as, as consumers, you know, uh, that that's going to denote quality, but that's what the market's buying. So, uh, we need to ensure that our first flower products as well, call it the first two to four strains that we put out have high THC numbers so that we can grab, uh, attention and, and get some, get some market penetration. And we have to follow those numbers up with a really great terp profile. I, I mean, you know, like, you know, we, we just got to put out some quad level shit and, and it's, and it's got a, you know, high numbers with a punch you in the face terp profile. And that's really our immediate goal. So we're looking for one winner. Uh, you know, we've got six different strains that came from cuts. So we're really just trying to verify and those all have really high numbers. At least they did. They had high numbers in their uh, in their previous home, so we have to make sure that our system is going to pump out those same numbers. Uh, so so all focus is on that right now. Uh, for next season, it's uh, it's blown out a phenomenal outdoor grow. Uh, I mean we have we have some great great outdoor strains. Um, uh, we're we're really lucky. One of our advisors on our advisory board is uh, Kevin Jodry. Uh, and he's a longtime breeder uh, out of uh, at a Humboldt and and uh, stationed in Garberville, and and we've, you know, we've really plugged into uh, a lot of great people in that community uh, as well. Um, uh, and you know, we know the gold standard uh, of of what smoke should be. And uh, you know, we go down to California, and you're smoking something that's like a you know a, a cherry lime strain and it has you know it feels like somebody's squeezing a lime in your mouth right like that's 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 what we're uh, that's what we're aiming for uh but anyways where i was going with that uh with the outdoor grow next season uh is we really want to show that we can take some of these great performing outdoor strains and grow them on the east coast in a more humid, uh, wetter, colder, uh, colder climate. Uh, so our outdoor grow next season is going to be really exciting for us. So, so if we pump out that Royal Kush and it does really, really well, of course, we're going to, we're going to put out a few more strains, uh, in that outdoor grow and really just establish, you know, what kind of a, what kind of a terroir can we create here on the East coast with these, with these typically West coast <laughs> for, you know, high, high grade, high grade strains. Um, you know, uh, can we set up a good system where we're going to be feeding our aquaponic water uh, in, in drip irrigation form to our outdoor grow? We have time now. I mean, this year was going to be a complete rush and honestly we wouldn't, we weren't even going to have time to do that. We're going to have time uh, next season. We, we had our outdoor grow planned this year 
but it was again it was going to be in a, a such such a compressed timeline that we weren't going to have time to do a lot of things we wanted to do so so now we've got a whole year uh to uh, get prepared to do a a, a bang up uh outdoor grow next year so, so i'd say that's probably one of the most exciting things in the next you know 24 month horizon that we're looking at and i and we don't know what we're going to do with that crop because uh, we won't know until it comes down right if it's a great crop hopefully we can put it in one ounce baggies and sell sell ounces of it right uh if it's uh you know if it's not that great then it might go into concentrate and uh or if it is great it might go into concentrate <laughs> so we just don't know right <laughs> absolutely what type of concentrates are you planning on doing oh well we're uh we're gonna anything we're gonna take out of our own flower we're gonna do full spectrum or broad spectrum uh solventless extracts that's the fancy term for uh you know hash <laughs> we're gonna do some hash uh for sure i'd like to do some beautiful uh you know i'd like to do some temple balls i mean again it's going to depend uh, it's going to depend on that outdoor crop because we're obviously not going to do that with our indoor stuff. Um, but uh, solventless extracts is going to be our baseline. So whether that's a press, you know, whether that's a hash, but, you know, we, we know our baseline solventless. Nice. Nice. And if anyone is out there hasn't taken Frenchie's class, one of them, uh, I highly recommend going and doing that. I, I didn't even know Super hash could look it. like that. He's, he's, he's a, He's a god in the in the hash domain. It's amazing. Yeah, we, he's been on the show I think two or three times, and it, it, I was laugh my ass off every time I hang out with him. So, um, uh, what other uh, is there anything in the future you plan on developing around with the aquaponics stuff? Anything uh, unique uh, around your branding with, with that and the aquaponics? Yeah, well, we're we're uh, we're exploring the logistics of uh, putting our dry flour into uh, into uh, cans, so that'll be a little bit of a brand alignment. Uh, so nitrogen infused uh, cans. If we're not sure if that's going to be Health Canada be able to get through the Health Canada uh, regime or not, so if that doesn't work out, it'll go in the glass bottles. So that's just kind of a branding uh, a branding quirk, but. Uh, but as far as the long term of uh, of what we're trying to do, I mean, it's a lot of stuff that you do, Steve. I mean, we really really want to hone in on that microbiome and see what's going on in there, right? Uh, so, uh, what what genuses of microbes are affecting what chemical expressions or cannabinoids or terpene levels? Uh, in in particular strains, so that's just going to be a through line. You know, uh, I I always tell people we're farming three things: plants, fish, and microbes, and we really want to be understanding uh, what those microbes are doing and how they're affecting the uh, you know the, the drug expression in our strains. So that's going to be ongoing. So hopefully we can join the party and contribute a lot of research and a lot of data. Uh, you know, to the whole community, right? As we as we move this company forward. Very cool. We had somebody else in chat ask about nitrogen uh, packing and and what that's about. Maybe you want to uh, elaborate on that. Yeah. So so nit nitrogen packaging is is done 
in the food industry, uh, you know, on, on, on scale. So when you, uh, when you pack a food product with nitrogen, it's to preserve the flavor profile uh, of it. I, I think, I think they do it with chips. I think chips is like one of the number one nitrogen infused <laughs> product on the market. Also the healthiest, you know, cause I, I, I consume at least a bag of chips every night, one bag different flavors. Cause you got to get your different, you know, types of vegetables, uh, in, but, uh, uh, you know, you pack, uh, you know, so it's flavor preservation is what it is. So, so in the case of cannabis, you know, uh, it'll preserve that terpene profile. So can it full of nitrogen when you, when you pop open that tab on the can, just like a tuna can, uh, you'll have all your terpenes, uh, preserved. So it should be, as fresh as when you put it in there. Uh, as long as we get the, the process approved by Health Canada, uh, I mean, we'll let you know because we're going to run all of our shelf life tests from day one. No matter what we package in, we're going to be running shelf life tests, whether it's glass, whether it's in, in this tuna can uh, or not. Uh, so, so we're going to determine uh, what that's going to look like. But the idea is you preserve those terpenes and then the, the customer gets the best uh, flavor profile as if it was as fresh as it could be when they smoke it. So, yeah, nitrogen, uh, flushing is, is great for, again, like you were saying, long-term shelf stability, uh, for yeah. your products. And a lot of times, well, certain States have a minimum shelf lifetimes for products. So if you can't meet those and prove it, then, you know, you're pretty much screwed. They have minimum minute for cannabis minimum, uh, so, so somebody in chat says they've heard nitrogen packing causes fast degradation after opening. I don't, I don't see why nitrogen packing will cause any different degrading than, than if you had not packed it with nitrogen at all. There, there's no, nothing chemically that the nitrogen's doing that would increase degradation speed in any way. Not, nothing that I can think of. Yeah, so I, I'm on the same page as you, Steve, but I've also heard that. Also, like, you know, you, you, I've, heard, I've heard that, uh, you know, so the, I guess the concept there is you've preserved it <laughs> kind of like, kind of like the, uh, the Game of Thrones witch, right? You know, she's a thousand years old. And as soon as she took off the, <laughs> took off the, uh, the collar, they turned into a dusty skeleton. Yeah. I don't, like, I don't I think, know. I think, I think part of it. I think more of it has to do with the fact that their terpenes are breaking down over that time period versus a fresh one. And because those terpenes aren't, terpenes are not stable at all, right? Like that's why live res is so good if it's kept in the fridge and you can get it immediately once it hits the store, right? Like that that's when it's the shit. Same thing with some of the, the, the cold stored, you know, bubble rosins and things like, mm -hmm. you know, so I think I think it's probably is more to do with the fact that your terps are degrading and turning into a gas or you know or other VOCs when you crack it open. Yeah, it smells great, but it's not in the plant anymore, right? So yeah, it leaves with the nitrogen. If I had yeah. to guess. Go ahead. Yeah. So so uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna study that right uh, and uh, and and figure out if that is happening and and that'll be that'll be as simple as you know each batch that comes off. We'll put some in a can. We'll put some not in a can, and put them on the shelf, right? 
and then or there'll be a few cans actually is what will happen and then let's say we took five cans off of a batch we'll open can number one one week later can number two two weeks three weeks four weeks so on and so forth right and then measure uh however we can right uh and i and that this is to be determined i just know how we'll run the test uh but we'll do our best to figure out how to measure uh the the uh you know off gassing i guess or or how much terps we've lost at each stage um but that's how we'll figure it out so you I send it to me it. i'll give you a full report what's that yeah <laughs> i'll send you all five cans no problem <laughs> whatever the best one is i'll, I'll label it for you <laughs> So whichever jar is the empty one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The old, the old school testing method. Yeah. Well, you got to do that too. I mean, that, that at the end of the day, that's what matters, right? That's what matters. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe you do a test and, and oh, well, it says all the terps are gone, but it's the best taste in one for whatever reason. I mean, you got you to gotta do the smoke test. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, any other... Um, Tips or tricks? What type of filtration do you have on your your system that you guys are going with? On the fish on the, on the aquaponics. Uh, yeah. So I mean, uh, drum. You know, use a drum filter, right? Drum filter, bead filters. It's it's all like on the on the aquaculture side. On the aquaculture side, it's all standard, standard commercial, land based aquaculture equipment, right? Large scale drum filter bead filter um and then we're bringing bringing that you know filtered water over into the other side uh into the hydroponics hydroponics system right uh i don't i don't think i mean uh, i mean are we going to uv it i don't think so i mean that's that's uh some people do that you know some people uv filter their water um i think that kills off anything that's in the water so we're not sure we're going to do that yeah, the the downside with uh, uv is that it screws up your iron chelation and your manganese and your zinc so it ends up with you end up with pretty hardcore phosphorus deficiencies i i helped write an article about it for aquaponics or speckling sylvia still work there yeah 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 so that wasn't in our plans but i know some people do do it right Yep. Yep. Some people do. I don't know why, but they do. <laughs> they obviously haven't read the article. <laughs> well, it's just so, so that, you know, if you don't, you don't have to believe me, Dr. Resch's hydroponic food production, which is one of the, you know, considered the Bibles on, on nutrients for, for hydroponic nutrient solutions. He has a whole chapter on it and a whole section of one of his chapters on it. Like, yeah, this isn't new. Like that's been documented in the sixties. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> that's why Can't read just, books with aquaponics. Aquaponics can be such a a rat race sometimes. <laughs> Any other um, uh, you know ex uh, challenges or anything you found working in Canada, or maybe things you found that are maybe the opposite of a challenge? Maybe anything that works, but you know, a little easier up in the Canadian market. Well, I mean, honestly, uh, you know, uh, and D Dylan can comment on this probably or confirm or, or deny this, but 
the, the longer the uh, the dragon down south stays federally illegal, uh, that that continues to give the Canadian <laughs> cannabis industry a little bit of a little bit of a uh, uh, pedestal to uh, to kind of keep progressing on. I mean, we can export to other European countries. Uh, one major thing. We can't even export in this country. Like, we can't even go state to state. You know? Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's a big challenge. It's, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. And I mean, uh, we, we built. For us, <laughs> it is. For you, it's an advantage, right? Yeah, it's totally good. I mean, I mean, you know, and I, I'm, so, and I'm sorry. I mean, I. You yeah, know, we all hate you right now. No, I'm just <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for you, but good. You know, it's not your fault. You know, it's not your fault. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, I, I mean, like bring it, bring it in this massive genetic library. I, I mean, like some of the shit that we have is, you know, a lot of it comes from down there, right? A lot of, it's, a lot of it's from, uh, the U S and it's from amazing, amazing, you know, and we're, and we're going to honor to the best of our, our ability where all this stuff came from. I mean, we're, we're not going to be one of those, uh, Canadian LPs that changes the fucking, names well i mean some stuff we can't keep named the exact same like i can't you know you can't you can't put out a well you can't use the name girl scout cookies because girl scout canada sues you and you can't use bruce banner because you'll get sued by disney but you know but <laughs> but to to the best of our ability uh you know we're going to be keeping all these strain names and and keeping the lineage uh of all this stuff but as we bring all this stuff you know everything we have in our in our bank and make it federally legal uh all of a sudden we're one of the companies in the world that can uh potentially work with all these other newly legalizing countries i mean australia is a great example uh, and i mean steve you just got back you just got back from uh from africa right so i mean that there's another great example so it really depends on the legislation around genetics in these other countries but we have a we have a really good opportunity uh in in that realm to uh to get some of these genetics great genetics out to the world uh in a, in a legal way i guess so. very cool so, so you're growing a lot for export as well yeah I, I mean you know whether or not we'll be exporting a lot of flour uh but long term we hope to export you know some knowledge technology genetics uh um uh, you know, and yeah, if we got to sell, if we can sell flour overseas, we want to do that too. You guys talked about, uh, or you talked about uh, the fact that you guys are doing a lot of phenotype hunting right now. Mm -hmm. You want to talk about some of the traits that you're looking for when you're selecting the phenos that you like? Smell. <laughs> so we're looking for a real great, you know, real good nose, uh, uh, bag appeal, right? Uh, you know, nice, nice, dense, thick buds. Um, <laughs> we, we're not going to put popcorn nuggets in, in containers and sell that shit. I, I mean, it, it, it's embarrassing. I mean, D Dylan, like, you know, you, you, you could talk to, I mean, like some of the stuff that's on, oh, not some, a lot of the stuff Majority that's on the legal, what's that? Majority of it. Yeah. That's yeah. On the legal market. It's, it's, I don't know. I don't go into any of the re recreational stores to shop that's for sure not right now anyway once your stuff hits the market <laughs> thank that's one then I'll try it. <laughs> well i mean we gotta and, and it can't and and, I, and there's a you know like your buddy who's doing the micro uh out there i mean he's part of the second wave right so canada needs 
the needs the second wave of people that know how to answer your question on what are you looking for when you're phenotype hunting because the first wave had no fucking idea what they were looking for well they only had 30 strains too right like everybody pre-october 17th they had the same 30 strains like they've all got uh shishkaberry uh <laughs> you know, yeah. there's an ungodly amount of seaweed everyone in canada has seaweed seaweed <laughs> seaweed sea warp yeah and, and uh well because they all got it from they had to get it all from the same sources right they could they only had a few like bedrocan and gw pharmaceutical so they all pulled from the same sources and gave it all different names it's like you know a single strain has 10 different names in the legal market they all put out popcorn nugs they all irradiated their weed um no you know everybody knew what everybody came to the market talking about terpenes but nobody farmed any terpenes and put you know I mean, but it's changing now like you're seeing you're starting to see it right now like like smaller craft guys are coming in uh Sorry, I'm getting off on a tangent here, but uh, but anyways, so so we're looking for bag appeal. <laughs> we're looking for <laughs> we're looking for a good nose uh, uh, on the strain, uh, dense buds. Potency um, uh, is definitely one of the biggest sellers. So like my my friend who's starting the micro also owns a retail location, and he said a lot of people don't even look at it; they just want it. They want the strongest strain that they have. So that is a big big selling feature, which is kind of sad because it makes you want to teach people more about terpenes and how they work but yeah yeah it's a weird problem to have when you, you know, the consumer wants to buy an inferior product um oh, totally yeah you know, like it, it poses a, an education question at, but at the same time you know it's like well they're they're the ones spending the money you know and i am ultimately here need to need to make this money to pay these employees and keep these lights on and keep these plants growing so i do understand the the catch-22 of it all but i do think education comes into it at at some point you know like i don't know <laughs> i don't know how and, and where maybe just exposure like you know you were talking about <clears throat> availability being a big issue not everybody has large underground markets with <laughs> lots of genetics around you know i've only lived on the west coast so for me like people ask me questions in the beginning, like when I started doing more online stuff, like, Hey, you know, they're like, what do you do for this? I'm like, Oh, just run down to the grow shop and buy it. I like <laughs> grow shop. <laughs> the closest grow shop is like, you know, four hour drive away. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> like yeah. there's four of them within like 20 miles of here, you know? So <laughs> it was definitely uh, an adjustment that I had to make realizing how much underground structure there was in these different states already is <clears throat> is definitely um, an advantage, and hopefully you guys will start to see that stuff spread out once you get more legality and the ability to sort of uh, share more of those genetics out, so that you don't have um, such a small genetic pool to work with. Uh, is is really going to help out the average consumer just getting more exposure to better stuff you know, might, might be the only way. Yeah. And, and I mean, in the short term to Dylan's point and, and to your point, like, it's like, well, we got to give them that number so we can get their attention and then hopefully educate them. Right. So, so right. when I, when, when we say, when I say, you know, the first two to four strains 
basically have to be above 25% roughly. That's kind of the magic number in Canada uh, here right now. Or Well, I, I mean, and, and we heard a lot of that from the bud tenders in California too. Like, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just that there's a bigger, there's a bigger, more educated portion of the market in California. Right. So yeah. I don't know what it would be if it's still 50% of, uh, you know, people go into a cookie store or, or whatever dispensary locally and they, you know, but then 50% of them are educated up here. It might be 90% of the cannabis consumer today is just going in for those big numbers. But if they, if they get a Stuart farm strain and it's got a, it's got a big number on it and it tastes like an orange and they've never experienced that. And it smells like an orange. And they're like, what in the fuck is going on here? I mean, I went through it myself, right? Like, you know, like, like in high school, I, the, my, my uh, grading scale for good weed versus bad weed was, ooh, this one's got lots of crystals on it. Look how snowy that is. You know, that was it. Like, I didn't know the strain name. My dealer didn't tell me what it was called. I mean, whatever, he probably told me, but I didn't listen because it was just the crystal. <laughs> it was the crystal test. Right? <laughs> so, you know, we, you know, we, we got to draw them in and, and catch them with that turp profile. And then we can bring them down the THC strength, the chain after that, you know, put out a 15% great strain uh, that, that, that they'll hopefully give a chance to, right. Chasing that flavor. Somebody yeah. that. Oh, go ahead, Marty. Oh, I was going to say, you know, like, it's definitely come a long way. It's like we've gotten so spoiled over such a short amount of time. Like 20 years ago, like you were saying, it was like, you know, maybe indoor or outdoor, you might have known. But a lot of times it was like, this is what I have. So either you want it or you don't. Like, do you, do you not want weed or do you want weed? Like, those are your options. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, I'm going to pick my strain. There was no test results. There was no... Uh, you know, there was probably a handful of people that, that even understood what phenotype meant that also grew cannabis, you know, like, uh, um, you know, it was just so, so limited um, on what you had, as opposed to now, where especially on the West Coast states, you can go into a dispensary and have access to 20 different kinds of indoor and outdoor each and extracts of different kinds ran through with solvents and solventless and pre-rolls and vape pens and you know like so much more stuff than um than ever existed you know back in the day <laughs> yeah our, our 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 sport was uh it wasn't the strain like now it's very strain strain focused especially for the you know connoisseur or the or the person that's really in, into the whole scene but our sport in high school was how many different ways can we smoke it right you know, oh, I can use a bread bag and a pop bottle. I can use a bucket. And we used a lot of pop bottles. It was like, how many ways can we smoke it in a pop bottle? <laughs> what can I do with this aluminum can? You know, it was just. <laughs> yeah, we used to do all this cranium toys and apple, gravity bongs, waterfall yeah. bongs, apples. apples, oranges, watermelons. Pumpkins. <laughs> watermelon is actually really good. If yeah, I think yeah. if you're going to try your fruit, you should try watermelon. The thing is, never put alcohol on the bottom of your bong or hookah. The alcohol will get vaporized and you will get incredibly drunk. <laughs> maybe very short period of time. 
Are you challenging me? <laughs> yeah. Not a good experience. <laughs> yeah. 50 people are going to be doing that tomorrow. Anybody that hear, you know, anybody, everybody that's heard that now, Steve. <laughs> uh, I'm not responsible for any, any idiocracy that, that comes with it. <laughs> I'm just worried about how much aluminum I smoked because every time I didn't have a pipe and you just grab that pop can. Oh, they, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's just not, to, I don't know what's in that paint. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I did that so many times as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. The soda cans, hitting a soda can. Pack yep. it away. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think we, we, had a, we used to make them out of uh, Sculpey. Used to make pipes out of Sculpey clay. Um, <laughs> smoke, you know, who the hell knows what the hell is in the dye and that stuff. Yeah, you, yeah. Guys, you, you guys are super fancy. I, I mean, I, I like, I, I got, I got addicted to cigarettes because of, because of bottle pokes. So like, like here, here, here in Atlanta, Canada, we always had hash. Always. There would be weed droughts all the time but we always had hash and every now and then we get Lebanese gold or, you know, Afghani, you know, blonde or whatever. Right. You know, we'd have all, but you know, but there's always like standard general rock hard kind of shitty hash that, <laughs> that, that was always available. Uh, and bottle tokes was our, was our weapon of choice. So it was, uh, you know, the, the 500 milliliter pop bottle and the cigarette and then, you know, the, the cigarette smoke, stays in the top and all that all the hash smoke goes to the bottom of your bottle so hundreds or thousands and thousands of bottle tokes in zimbabwe the concept of hash is still kind of new there oh really like even bubble hash like showing them that and how to make that was just like it's this completely mind-blowing concept for them it was really funny <laughs> Yeah, so what are they? What are they doing? What were you working on? Like, what kind of strains are they? Were you looking? Are you looking at over there, Steve? So right now we're doing CBD and CBG stuff while we're getting our greenhouses up and running. Um, once the greenhouses are built, we'll we'll move those to to EU GMP and produce THC cultivars mm -hmm. out of those. Um, we have some test plots. We have a a smaller test area. We're doing a few hundred plants just to kind of see what likes it there, what doesn't, of some strains that we're looking to grow. Um, but we're looking to immediately build out around 10 acres. Uh, we were, you know, getting everything working, getting the irrigation back online, getting the soil samples done, getting the amendments done, um, doing all that kind of unfun stuff. Uh, and then now they're changing all the rules on us again here in the next few weeks, um, whenever they get back to Parliament. So I'll have to figure out what all the new stuff is, but uh, it shouldn't be any any kind of negative problem. But we have uh, 300 hectares, um, which is, uh, you know, not a small grow. <laughs> no, you, you can grow some weed in 300 hectares. Uh, so we'll be we'll getting that rocking. And I just, it was just getting a little too crazy, and they don't have much of a healthcare system there. So I decided to come back uh, for, you know, a few months until this blows over and uh, things kind of get more back to normal. So, But it's still continuing on. Uh, I'll make sure we get some video updates and stuff up on the YouTube. Uh, you know, in the meantime, yeah. you just posted some stuff from what was that? What was the name of that place? It was doing. Yeah, so, so I'm working with Organic Innovations. Uh, in the meantime, and we'll we'll probably get them on next week as a guest, and we'll do a walkthroughs and stuff of the farm. It'll be fun. But um, 
yeah, so we've been working with them, trying to get you know their system adapted to uh, you know getting um, them convert rock another Nelson system. Convert another Nelson and paid system. Yes. <laughs> I said lettuce. I didn't call them out by name, but I'll let let's just <laughs> be honest. Literally, like thirty to forty percent of my my business in a given year is is unfucking Nelson and paid systems into something that just do one class money. and and just like dedicate like a, an entire class series to how to convert a Nelson and paid system. Oh yeah, we, we seriously we should make a DVD on that, like how to how to fix a Nelson and paid system. You do it like all cheesy like with like eighties. Oh yeah, it. we'll record it just the exact same way they do their videos. It'll be fucking great. <laughs> and then we'll send them a cease and desist letter saying that they're infringing on our <laughs> on, on our on our, on our UVI designed uh, uh, system. Anyone that doesn't know about that, that Nelson and Payton tried to claim that the UVI design was theirs in the patent filing, which was completely asinine. Yeah, and UVI. It held up about 14 days so that was pretty funny yeah and and there's there's no <clears throat> there is no commercial scale aquaculture farm in the world or north america that has done anything with nelson and paid or incorporated any 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 sort of uh, nelson and paid anything into any significantly sized fish farm uh on, on its own so so i mean that's a that's a good indication well, <laughs> Nelson got paid. Nobody else did, but yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I'm actually you spell it. It's paid P A I D, not P A D. <laughs> no, but they have a they have a hemp system, and I've already seen seen two of them already that are just are just so bad. Anyways, yeah. I mean they're good. I I mean they're they're fine for a school, maybe. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> they just, their filtration is marginal for lettuce. That's they, a nice It's not sized right. And it doesn't do what it's supposed to. And they push AST fil bead filters. So that's like another expensive thing you don't need. So it's just, it's kind of crazy. Um, there was another question in chat. Do you have any offline mineralization? uh so we are looking looking at that um we we're gonna have we're gonna have a significant amount of uh additional fish manure at full scale so we're definitely probably gonna have a bioreactor in place to process that extra that extra manure but uh uh but yeah so so i mean that, that'll be that'll be to be determined um okay yeah i uh, wasn't sure on that um someone else asked if you're using any uv oh uh about the ozone um i'm not ozone um irradiation um asked if you could use ozone or uvc instead um to, to you know quarantine disinfect the product I don't know. That's that's a little bit over my head. Um, I, I mean, uh, we don't plan to. I mean, our, our our plan is to grow and hopefully keep our microbials within Health Canada 
regulations and not have to irradiate. Um, and that is a bridge to be crossed uh, coming up here. So, well, we shouldn't have any issues. I, I mean, it's not, we're not gonna be splattering fish water over the, over the buds. We're doing ebb and flow irrigation. Um, uh, we're, we're fil we've got great filtration in the air, right? Uh, we've got some pro guards. We're using pro guards. I don't know if they're going to be any good or not. I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> but pro this, these pro guards, they supposedly filter and explode microbes in the air. We're testing them out to see how they, how they work, but hopefully that helps keep our microbes in line as well. We had somebody in chat ask if you need a separate aquaculture license uh, separately from your cannabis licenses or how does that work? Yeah, yeah, you do. Uh, and that, and that's, and that is different from province to province. So there's different uh, what, you know, or state to state, uh, it, it would work the same. So whatever your local fish regulations are, you have to look into that. And maybe you need a license, maybe you don't. In our case in New Brunswick, we needed a lot. Tilapia is a foreign species, right, to New Brunswick. So we had to do an environmental impact assessment around our whole property for specifically the tilapia. Nothing to do with, with the plant growth we were doing. Uh, so luckily, luckily uh, the tilapia would immediately die if they escaped <laughs> in New Brunswick because it's way too cold. Uh, for them to survive here. Uh, but yeah, we definitely needed a fish license and we had to do an environmental impact assessment uh, because we were doing a foreign species. Yeah, that's funny in Canada. It'd be really, really funny writing some of those environmental assessments because it's just like, there's just no way like this would survive. Yeah, oh yeah, like, yeah. Would elephants survive? No, no, <laughs> like five minutes. The middle of dead of winter, five, maybe 10 minutes. <laughs> a picture of like a tilapia laying on top of the ice. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's cold up here. I mean, there's a reason there's less than 40 million of us. Furry <laughs> trout, for tilapia. Did I skip out there for a second? Oh, yeah, yeah. Is it, isn't there a Canadian myth about like a furry trout? You could have like a furry tilapia. I I, I do not I do not know. I've never heard. Because <laughs> yeah, Dylan, have you have, heard that one? Americans have the jackalope. Oh, I have not. The deer, the deer antlered rabbit, but the Canadians have like the furred trout. <laughs> we we in Newfoundland uh, in Newfoundland they. They, we have a, it's called a screeching in ceremony. There's this horrible, horrible liquor called screech, which is supposedly like the leftovers of a whole bunch of other alcohols. I don't know if it's like 40 or 60 proof. Uh, I went through the ceremony. I, I, I went, I went there on a, a high school exchange trip uh, and uh, you get screeched in. So you shoot the screech and then you kiss a codfish, right? No, a dead one, not alive, not alive. I guess maybe it could be live, but the one I kissed was dead. <laughs> There's someone in, uh, I forget if it's Canada or Alaska, they have like frozen toes of people what? that have been like, you know, gotten frostbite and they, they have like this whiskey they do or tequila or something and you have to they put the toe in there and you have to drink it. And obviously you're supposed to keep the toe in there, but oh, once in a while somebody, somebody uh, drinks the toe. <laughs> then you have to bring them a new toe. 
<laughs> this is why you smoke weed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's safer. It's safer. There's no toes involved. Old fashioned, old fashioned ice cream. Um, so I, we last time I saw you, we were at a movie premiere. Do you want to tell us more about that and what you've been doing? Yeah, so uh, um, an executive producer on a uh, film called The Need to Grow. And uh, this film, uh, well, I mean, you were at the LA premiere. Uh, when, when, that was, man, when was that? That was summer. That was last year sometime. I yeah, don't last remember. September, was it? So, Whenever it was. If I don't remember, so much has happened. <laughs> feels like forever. Feels like 10 years ago, man. Like like so much. Yeah, that, it's like 10 years. Yeah, it's like 10 years ago, man. <laughs> it's like less than a year ago. Uh, so, yeah, we had our LA premiere uh down there uh rosario dawson is the narrator of the film she's phenomenal rosario dawson just got announced that she is going to be a show ahsoka in mandalorian the mandalorian yeah so she she got even i thought she couldn't get any cooler and she is even cooler now uh uh you know i'm, I'm a superhero uh and kind of comic book geek and you know she was night nurse on uh, yeah, uh like it yeah, like Daredevil and, and, and those movies. And she, she does a lot of voice acting too. She actually does uh, Wonder Woman in some of the DC animated movies. And, and she was uh, she was Barbara Gordon in, in, uh, in, the, in Batman, Lego Bat, the Lego Batman movie. But anyways, uh, so she narrates our film. But uh, uh, it's about soil. It's all about the importance of soil to the world. Uh, we follow three environmental superheroes in this film one guy named michael smith who's uh uh doing a that the semi-closed loop system that is it's basically a fertilizer factory so i call him the mad scientist we follow a, a guy named eric cutter out of orange county he's kind of a clint eastwood of urban agriculture he does this he turns parking lots uh into gardens and a seven-year-old girl scout uh, her name's alicia serratos and she goes on a journey to get GMOs out of Girl Scout cookies. Uh, so we followed these three people's lives for like three and a half years and their lives made this movie. So the anchor of the movie is about soil, the importance of living soil to, to, to the world. But we're really following the lives of these three uh, environmental superheroes that are, have these solutions that they're trying to birth into reality and, and make a real impact or change uh, in the world and and uh, the film it's been going great Steve like ever since we did the like like the day after the premiere that uh, that you were at we released it online for free for five days and it it was watched in over 130 countries in those five days and we backed up the free release with a whole bunch of agriculture and regenerative uh, education courses on our, on our website. So, so the, the film is for sale on Vimeo and Amazon right now, but also as a value add, you know, people can go on the need to grow uh, website, you know, they can take a course on composting or they could take a course on uh, permaculture, right? So Rob and Ryan, uh, Rob Herring and, and Ryan Wyrick, uh, two, two phenomenal guys have put all this together. Like I, I was, I was a uh, financial backer uh, uh, behind the film. Uh, they just did a great job putting this thing together, man. And it's one of the, one of the best things I ever got involved in in my life. 
uh, it tells a great story. It's really inspirational. I mean, it's, it's exact, it's the exact kind of film people need, should be watching right now, <laughs> you know, if they want some hope and, and, uh, and they want to learn, you know, how to do some things that they can become more self-sufficient. Uh, this, this is the film. Actually, if I, if I could recommend, and of course this is a plug, but if I could recommend like a movie marathon, watch our film, the need to grow and then go on Netflix and watch the biggest little farm right after it. And the biggest little farm on Netflix is also an amazing film. It's about this couple uh, in California. They, they leave their apartment and they start a regenerative agriculture farm. But if you watch our film first, you'll understand the science behind everything. And you'll just like, you'll, you'll have a really good kind of soil 101. And then if you watch the biggest little farm right after, you'll see everything in action, right? So, uh, and, and, then, and then you'll be moving to the country and starting your own farm immediately afterwards. It, it'll, it'll be that intoxicating. <laughs> and then after that, watch Paul Stamets' Fantastic Fungi. Oh yeah, absolutely, yes, exactly, yeah. I think that they is... just released it online. Or... Yeah, I saw it online recently. Definitely worth the watch too. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, how do people find out the need to grow or how do they watch it now in the, in the current day? Uh, yeah, so if they just look up the need to grow, it, it's uh, it's on Amazon uh, down in the States. So that's the that's the best portal to uh, to go to. Check it out there. Uh, you know, go go type in the need to grow.com and you know check out the trailer uh, first and make sure that you you think you're gonna be into it. Um, you know, I, I promise you won't regret watching it. Uh, it's it's uh, it's a phenomenal story. Um, Rosario Dawson really really brings it to life. You know, she narrates the whole thing. She does an amazing job. Uh, she she actually won a voice actors award for the film. She's she's continuing to get accolades. Uh, if Alicia Silverstone put a post on Facebook about it, she likes the film. So if you like Alicia Silverstone, I don't know. <laughs> she watched it. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Amazon, Vimeo, check it out there. So we had uh, when I worked at the Aquaponics Source, uh, Shia LaBeouf used to buy a lot of stuff from us. He's oh no shit! Yeah, that's awesome. He's gonna get mad at me for outing his secret aquaponic habit, but <laughs> it's a religion, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what he says in his videos: just do it, just grow your fruit, <laughs> just grow it. Anyways. Uh, that was always uh, someone fun. We'd always get uh, orders from now and then. Once in a while, I get some other people too that get involved with different charity stuff. So, all right. Well, uh, is there anything else you wanted to tell us about uh, before I let you go? No, I, I mean I think we covered uh, a lot of uh, a, a lot of ground here. I, I just I really appreciate you having me on and 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 giving me a venue to uh, to talk about all this stuff. You know, and you know I follow. Uh, follow what you're doing and and uh you know you, you're an influence over uh you, you know i you, you push me over the edge on the dual root zone a hundred percent so <laughs> so yeah thank you awesome well glad to have you on uh, how do people find out more about you and how do they buy your product if they're interested yeah uh so they follow uh they if they follow stewart farms uh uh, online on Instagram, Facebook, StuartFarms.life. Uh, if they want to uh, get a little deeper uh, look into a uh, random ad hoc look, uh, follow me, TannerStuart.life. Um, and then they'll get 
kind of the the picture uh, on Instagram and and uh, Facebook. I got we've got some YouTube stuff uh, as well, and then uh, yeah, just keep an eye out eye out for our products. That's all we can ask. Awesome. And how do they find out more about your uh, your movie again? Uh, just go to the the need to grow dot com. Awesome. The need to grow dot com. Yeah. And, uh, and they'll find all their, you know, they can watch the trailer there and then that can, that'll direct them to Vimeo or Amazon if they, if they want to have a, if they want to watch it and, uh, and, you know, and, and, uh, they're, you know, like Rob and Ryan, uh, the directors, like, you know, just to give an idea what's happening, uh, when this film is purchased, uh, like the, the revenues that, that are coming off this film are, are basically going back into, um, earth conscious films which is robin ryan's company and it'll be getting directed towards more uh hope and solution driven environmental uh pieces in the future awesome awesome well thanks a lot for joining us uh we'll, we'll have to catch up with you again once you're all up, up and running and, and get a tour you bet you bet and i'm gonna be uh once, once we get off this uh, lockdown, I'm going to be popping over there to uh, Saskatchewan, visiting, uh, get, getting inside that farm, Dylan. <laughs> Do it. You're welcome anytime. Right on. Thank you, guys. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Well, nice thanks again. You. Cheers. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, Dylan, what's, what's up with you and your farm, Mom? Uh, it's been a long time since you've been on. Yeah, the, pretty much everything's the same. Just doing some pheno hunting for a friend who's starting that micro. And uh, yeah, I've been focusing on just getting the system filled up and learning more. And of course, I always learn more from each show. <laughs> and, yeah, thanks for having me. What, uh, any, any particularly good uh, cuts you got going right now? Uh, nothing too special yet, but I'm pretty excited about some insane in the membrane cuts that I have coming my way. And then apparently someone has some access to some Charlotte's web seeds that they want me to have as well. So I'm excited about those two. Nice. Yeah, I have some Shirley Temple or we've talked about the Shirley Temple and crosses on the show uh, that are basically the two thirds of the genetics that they, they use to make that. So it's cool. awesome. You don't see those CBD cuts getting harder and harder to find that aren't just straight hemp varietals, you know? Yeah. Anything else you got new and going on up there? Oh, not so much. Nothing super exciting anyway. I still eventually want to do the micro route and, uh, build some sort of um, light depth greenhouse with, you know, earth sheltered aquaponics, passive solar heat, um, you know, as self-sustaining as possible. That's in the future. <laughs> awesome. Well, glad to have you back. And, uh, you know, it was nice to do a show at the normal time. I, I said we'd try to get back on schedule in April, so. We have some other cool guests. We have the guy from uh, lined up coming up with uh, from Crime Pays, but Botany doesn't. Joey, he's going to come on the show, and uh, we have some the the guys here from this farm are going to be on the show, and we have some other cool people 
working on getting lined up now that I'm back back in this hemisphere. <laughs> uh, what's up with you, Marty? What's new with you? Uh, well, let's see. Um, I don't remember. It's been so long. I don't remember what the last thing we talked about, but finished the modifications to the new flower room system. Um, done with my recovery project, so recovered all of those uh, genetics that my buddy dropped off. So that was uh, four or five different strains that um, basically I grew out and then cloned and created new moms out of and cloned again. And so uh, finished the last one of those. So that was Sunset Sherbert, which is all cleaned up and remobbed now. So we'll get some new, new cuts off of it in a few weeks. And uh, yeah, just making lots of clones and probably, let's see, I'm on the countdown to flower. So I think I'll hit full, I count down an hour every day into flower. And so I think I'll hit uh, full flower in about three days. My math is right. It's always weird because it's running at night. So <clears throat> counting the days is a little weird, but um, anyway, in about three to four days, I'll be all the way down to, to flower in the flower room. So that's exciting. And um, yeah, just making new plans, swapping stuff out. I think, <clears throat> I don't remember if we talked about it on the podcast or if I just talked to you about it, Steve, but um, one of the things that I uh, modified was that the I found that the temperature was different in different parts of my longer grow beds. So in the new system, I have a lot longer grow beds than I've had before. And only feeding them at one end of the grow bed was, um, wasn't really having a problem like nutrient wise or dispersion or anything like that, but was definitely getting slower growth. And I noticed when I was doing the testing, getting the water from the end of the bed to do the testing on it, that it was significantly warmer than the other parts of the bed. So I ran the, uh, the cold water coming from the tanks all the way down to the end of the bed. So it, it drains all the way back down through and that seems to regulate the temperature a lot better. So that was kind of an interesting one <coughs> uh, to, to figure out. But all those modifications are done and um, everything is going good now. So this run is still a little imbalanced where half of the plants are doing really well and the other half of them are not doing as well. But I swap out a lot of them, but they're still smaller. So anyway, it'll be what it is. I'm gonna flower out this first run. So I just released a bunch of beneficials today a bunch more green lace wings. And uh, the only predator mite they had in stock, I think was a, it's one that starts with a P permissilis or something like that, which is actually a little bit, um, it likes a higher humidity. So it's probably not gonna be overly effective in, in my room right now, because it, it's only about 40%. And they usually like about 50% humidity. So anyway. Uh, but I got a lot of uh, green lace wings, which are always my go-to for predators. So I got a ton of those and released those. And then I got some other, <clears throat> some of the, I think it's the Californicus or something like that. One of the um, ones that operates in wider range of humidity. So I have those on order and I think they ship overnight. So they probably won't be here 
tomorrow, but they'll probably be here the next day because even your, though they ship overnight, it's like 24 hour. Where's your order from? Arbico, I think it is. Arbico ships on Tuesdays. So you'll get them on Wednesday or Thursday. It depends. Sometimes now they ship some of the predators Monday through Thursday overnight. Some of them they do and some of them they don't. So if you look in the shipping instructions, it'll tell you which ones they do and which ones they don't. Some of them ship Monday through Thursday. Some of them ship only on Tuesdays. So it just depends. Some of them can only get harvested at certain times. So that's why they only ship on Tuesdays. And then the Monday through Thursday is because they have to go overnight. So they won't ship on Friday because some places won't deliver overnight on Saturday. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, got a bunch of lacewing cards out there. Um, I just went through and lollipopped all the all the bigger plants. Um, some of them are getting pretty unruly. So uh, yeah, just fun stuff like that. Yeah. Now, now we just released some persimilis and some aphid prevention. The, this time of year, get, getting your spider mite prevention and your aphid prevention out there in your garden, especially if you're running greenhouses, you know, they're going to they're gonna start waking up and swarming outside. So you, know, you want to make sure you got someone to meet them inside when they come in. Um, yeah, and if you're going to do something that takes a long time to hatch, like a mantis egg or something like that, like kids really enjoy those. So if you're going to do those, you know, definitely get them started soon if you want them to be really effective at preventing stuff which is really their main function you got to get them out there early because they'll take a while to hatch yep they need the warm uh, someone asked what is the advantage of counting down the photo period the advantage of it <clears throat> in my opinion is really to cut down on the amount of light stress on the plant so simulates closer to what happens in nature. So as you uh, as you count down in the same way that the days get a little bit shorter each day, they don't just immediately flip and have a, an eight hour difference in one day to the next. Um, so some of your uh, more indica leaning strains that are more dependent on variance and light schedule uh, have a tendency to, to herm out if you what they do, what we call slamming them into flower. There's just the term, I don't know who came up with it or <laughs> where I heard it, but if you just go straight from like 24 hour to 12-12 or even 18-6 to 12-12, you have a higher likelihood of stressing the plant. Absolutely, yeah. And then I'm uh the other thing too is you can have them you know just go to flower even drop into a 14 or 16 if they're at 18 or 20 or 24. i've had um cbd cultivars in particular uh herm out at 24 hours and start throwing male flowers uh you know in veg in the veg room you know so you do need to be careful with you know i highly advise against doing 24 hours uh, even with autos, you know, they still, again, like you say, need, need their four to six hours of sleep to make their different hormones and their other, you know, things that they need to stay alive at least. Um, you know, if you can give them eight hours, great, but if you can at least give them six, uh, that, you know, at least bare minimum. So I, I do, uh, the only time I do 24 hours clones and then I switch to 18.6 under veg and then, um, switch and then count down from 18.6 to 
eventually I'll count all the way down to 11.13. So for the last, you know, three to four weeks, I'll even count down and do one less hour. So I'm only 11 on and 13 off. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, what else is new with your grow? Anything? I think that's about it. Um, I got those uh, seeds that uh, generate a pop. So a lot of the a lot of the same stuff. I popped one um, one each of the was it Jack's pineapple? I think that uh, I got from Mr. Green Jeans, and then. Um, the other cross he had was uh it's the the new indica he's working on was he called it ultra kush or no koji's kush that's what it is kk koji's kush named after his friend or something anyway it's um dj shorts blackberry kush by I want to say Pure Indica. No, Master Kush. Master Kush by DJ Shorts. Blackberry, not Blueberry. Blackberry Kush. So that he's pretty high on it. I've never ran it before, but seed took off like crazy. It's grown so fast that I have my suspicions it might be a male. But anyway, I just popped one of each just because <laughs> one of the games. I didn't really have room for any of them, so I'm gonna do a whole bed of each one. I got my next system set up in the bedroom, so I'll do a whole bed of seeds of each strain and then pick out of those. Got a cut of his Oreo. His Oreo is insane. Cool. I will hit him up for it. <laughs> those are the only new strains I think. Um, other than that, I still have I have the Thorsberry. A shit ton of those. I have the Pineapple by Banana Frost, which I've only I've tried the flower of it and it was it was really good, but I've, I haven't grown it yet. So those are always interesting ones when you've tried the flower out of a soil grow, but you haven't grown aquaponics yet. It's always interesting to see what you're going to tease out of it. <clears throat> so that'll be fun. Um, and then I have the Wi-Fi, which again I've smoked before but haven't grown since that Sherbert uh, Snowman. Um, and probably like two other ones that I can't think of right now. Oh, uh, Purple Hindu Kush, PHK, and one other one that I can't think of at the moment. So those are the strains that I'm doing here. So I've got the flower room all filled up. It's counting down the flower. And the bedroom, I just keep expanding on and making new plants. I've got probably another I don't know, 60 to 80 clones in the cloner right now. I've got probably another 30 to 40 that are just sitting around in pots or solo cups that just got transplanted. So right now we're just cranking out a bunch of plants. Yeah, it's like a time of year, time to make clones for everybody. Oh yeah, and then setting up the outdoor. I'm gonna get started on that. Obviously spending a lot of time at home. <coughs> no, We'll get our uh, our stimulus money. So I, I joke that I'm going to codename my greenhouse COVID-19. Go government <laughs> friend and research center. So you can buy those shovels and rakes and other things for those children to, to give something to do. 
That's get those holes dug, get that soil mixed. <coughs> we, we, we were thinking trying to trying to breed a strain, call it COVID 420. There you go. So yeah, it's uh, it'll be area CV19. So that way, it's like area 51. I hear that shit is killer. <laughs> so yeah, that's the that's the fun stuff. So I have a little um, little tractor with a bucket that I get to. Uh, it came with a house, which is really cool of them to just leave it. They were moving into town, so I get to tear up the hillside with that. And um, so it's a lot of fun getting ready to build the build the pad for the greenhouse and get cranking on the outdoor. So I can get, I have a bunch of these plants that I need to move out there too. So that'll be fun to do outdoor again for the first time this year. So I'm excited for that. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Cool. Um, yeah, Marty and I have been working on a really cool extended version of the aquaponic cannabis class that's been going along. Um, I know we've been taking a lot longer time than we normally do when we teach the class for each slide. So it's a nice long format version where we kind of can pick our brains uh, on a lot of stuff. So it's a lot of fun. And then um, I just got back from Africa. So that's been uh, a bit of a crazy thing. Uh, went Everything went from, oh, that's, you know, something that's getting crazy in a, in a week later to, okay, well, I need to figure out how to get the hell out of Africa. So because uh, their health services there are not not too good so um, decided to come back on the advice of the embassy and uh, come wait wait things out here but working with organic innovations uh, we're doing some cool content uh, with them here and um, helping them get more more production of their aquaponic cannabis facilities and some of their soil facilities as well it's been uh, been pretty cool so we'll be doing that, more content with them. And then just uh, bopping around, got a couple of different stuff going around in the States, although with the quarantine and everything, uh, obviously uh, not bopping around too much, but uh, you know, we'll, we'll be traveling around a little bit while I am in the States once, once things are, are eased up a little bit. So, uh, and then I'll be back to Africa to, to keep going, uh, you know, keep getting more of that land prepped and, and more of that land planted and, uh, I have a bunch of plants to show you when I get back. So that's what I've been up to. Other than that, just that I'm working on the book. The book's coming along great. So got a lot of awesome content in there for everybody. Uh, so we're hoping to get that out this year, finally. So that's about it. That's all I've been working on. Other than that, just smoking weed, smoking dabs, doing all that stuff. and. Uh, yeah. Happy 420 month, by the way. 420 for a whole month. <coughs> I'm covered. I'm so excited. <laughs> Get excited to also germinate some of the Zimbabwe land race and, and grow it under like proper conditions. So pop a few. I've heard about these seeds. I've yet to see any of them. Yeah. I think I think Santa Claus might come early. Don't worry. Excellent. <laughs> so that'll be fun. I always love new new stuff, especially land race stuff. Uh, yeah, we never grown anything from Africa. So yeah, hard 
hard to find some pure sativas anymore these days that aren't haven't been fucked with. So although I have no idea the flowering time or like any of the <laughs> any of the growth specs at all. So it's also kind of fun, you know. I was trying to explain it to somebody that was complaining about how their their nine week strain was killing them and how long it was taking them to run. I was like you clearly yeah. never ran a sativa. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. you think week nine is hard? Like, talk to me week six, six months. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To try yeah. this with your, some Dr. Greenspoon seeds for you. Yeah. <laughs> some, 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 some real Durban poison seeds. If you get <laughs> last nine weeks without chopping your gorilla cookies, whatever it was, you know, like, then you're not going to stand the farmer you're gonna <laughs> you'll be done for eight weeks in and it's got like tiny little flowers and you're like what the fuck is this shit you know <laughs> yeah that would be it'd be hilarious there should be a tv show where they just like make growers do nothing but grow sativa plants i'd watch that <laughs> <laughs> yeah like a big brother <laughs> and put yeah. them in responsible for the thing but just give them like the shittiest genetics yeah <laughs> But tell them it's like DJ Shorts Blueberry or something. It's yeah, yeah. Like, they're, they're, <laughs> they're all sativas. They're all long, long growth sativas. <laughs> I'm a terrible person. Reunion Island, Reunion Island, like Zamal. <laughs> it's another long one. It's like 22 weeks. <laughs> they would tear each other apart and be like, the oh, yeah. All over again. <laughs> It'd be hilarious, though. Do it in like a, a state that newly legalized too, so like no one knows what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. I would watch the shit out of that. Man. I'd to do a sitcom about like all the things to do wrong about it. <laughs> How to make people quit growing. <laughs> yeah. I went to this I went to this grow in San Diego and uh, lost count of the number of different insects they had. That was interesting. Oh man. They exited through the, the gift shop at the end where they have like 60 pounds stacked up on the wall against the wall with like no form of security whatsoever. I've seen all kinds of stuff. Souvenirs. Just take one on your way out. Oh, yeah, take one on the way out. You know what? I'm going to take all of them. Um. <laughs> Anyways, does anyone else have anything they wanted to touch on before we wrap up the show? Oh no, I got to take off. It's been it's been good, guys. Appreciate it. You know, you guys can always hit me up on uh, AP Meds YouTube, Aquaponic Cannabis Growers Group on Facebook, uh, AP Meds on Instagram, on Patreon, um, any of those fun places that you like to consume media. Uh, shout out to the Probiotic Farmers Alliance group on Facebook. It's another great place, just like Chris Trump there on his uh, sweatshirt. So hopefully you guys are staying safe, staying home, uh, binging the Growing with Fishes podcast because we have lots of episodes for you to bore yourself to sleep with. And uh, <clears throat> But seriously, just uh, stay safe out there. You guys have fun. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Uh, quick plug. Um, if you're looking for a subscription service for your commercial scale, you know, scale or, or even just larger scale aquaponic farm, uh, definitely check out True Aquaponics. 
Or if you just need nutrients for your aquaponic cannabis farm, check out True Aquaponics. They'll get you all sorted out with good dosing instructions. Um, or you can sign up for a subscription service where you can get your, your water tested and, and nutrients sent to you. Um, I work with him on that. It's a lot of fun and uh, it's cool to, to manage a whole bunch of different types of farms nutrient wise and, you know, see the different nutrient uptake and stuff like that. It's kind of funny. Uh, I had, we were, one of our farms is a lot of strawberries and stuff. And uh, they were like, wasn't well, this a lot of iron? I was like, yeah, but it, you know, we dosed a ludicrous amount last time and it barely put a dent in it. So we got to go more. So anyways, it's just funny. So always fun. Um, anyways, uh, uh, how about, uh, how about you, uh, Dylan, anything else you got before we head out or you want to tell everybody how to find you? Um, yeah, me, Wasson Farms on Instagram and also on YouTube. Uh, not much else new here other than growing. <laughs> uh, but no, nothing else to say. I have a couple hours worth of gardening to do still. So but, yeah, <laughs> thanks again for having me. Always learn a ton. It's awesome. Always love having you and uh, always enjoy your, your garden tours. Thanks, man. Thanks, Steve. Have a great night, Dylan. Yeah, what about you, uh, Stuart? You want to tell everybody how to find you again before we go? Uh, yeah, just TannerStuart.life, uh, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, StuartFarms.life, uh, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Uh, I'm not on Twitter for whatever reason. I guess you're supposed to be there too. But <laughs> Anyways, thanks, Steve. Uh, appreciate this. This is, a, this is a good time. I, I just stick around because I just wanted to listen to you guys, right? <laughs> sure. Um, okay, thanks for joining us and you can uh, find me at uh, potent ponics youtube soundcloud itunes iHeartRadio, all the ten thousand other podcast apps um you can uh if you want nutrients i help out and do it with the subscription service at trueaquaponics.com and uh, uh yeah you can also check me out at potentponics.com if you want to find out more about the classes and everything else uh, we will have a really awesome uh, well, well cut, uh, long form version of the commercial class uh, available here in the next few months. Marty and I have been working very hard on that and getting a lot of really cool content and filming content different places and uh, I know on Marty's farm as well uh, to, to splice in for that class. So it's going to be really cool and uh, we'll have that available uh, hopefully in the next two to three months. Thanks a lot for uh, watching. And uh, we will be back again on hopefully on Tuesday. Cheers.